Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. If you turn, please, to Matthew 7, 7, Matthew 7, 7. And we'll get ready to continue our, continue our study here, Matthew 7, 7. Let's pray first of all. Lord, thank you so much for, Lord, be inviting us to your word this morning and for opening our hearts, pouring out your spirit to us, making known your words to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, Matthew 7, 7. Um, Ask, and it shall be given unto you, given to you, given you, Seek and you shall find, knock and you shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that findeth, seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. What man is there of you whom if his son asks bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask him? Therefore, all things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them. This is the law and the prophets. Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. But straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Okay, so in our last time we were in Matthew here, we saw the Lord Jesus. He, he, we have to always remember the setting here. Uh, when he said these things, because he's on, in verse one of chapter five, when he started on the Sermon on the Mount, it says he saw the multitudes, and then in verse two of chapter five, it says he opened his mouth and he taught them. So here the Lord Jesus is, and we have to picture this about him, he's scanning over these people, there's a great multitude in front of him, he sees every class of people as he's speaking, he saw the class. Of, he saw he saw that class of people that his disciples were a part of, and those were the ones who were obediently following him. Then he looks over the group of people there. He sees the people who started off well. You remember that he said at one, at one point he said about eating his flesh, etc. And then there were many that turned away. So he sees that class of people too who started off well in obeying him, but then something happened in their lives. They fell away, spiritually speaking, they slipped down the hill backwards. Spiritually speaking, he saw the, them as backsliding. This was the second class of people. And then he sees a class of people as he looks over this great multitude. They never followed him. They were lost, lost, lost. And in these three classes of people, he sees, a, he, he sees every person on planet Earth and every person on planet Earth falls into one of these three classes of people, the saved and obedient, the fallen away, and the lost never knew him. So as the sight of all these people, these three classes of people is, is impressed him as he starts off, 
and, and it's, it's percolating through his mind, and he sees these different class of people, and then he teaches them, and, and, as, and he's, he's coming now to the end of his Sermon on the Mount, and he's thinking again of these three classes of people that is in front of him. He gives a single word, a single word uh, that, that was to address these three classes of people. The first class of people who are the saved, who are walking with the Lord, they're, they're obeying the Lord. His command is just one word, ask, ask. Keep your life on the asking road. Keep that on the, 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 the trend of asking, asking, pray, 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 don't stop. For that second class of people who once walked with God, they're no longer walking with God. This is a class of people who once loved the Lord with all their heart, but they lost that love, that's gone. This is a class of people who once served the Lord with all their might, and now they're living for themselves. They're pleasing themselves. This is the, this is the, 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 the class of people who has made that very bad decision to, I'll just enjoy the world, I'm gonna live my life to please myself, I'm gonna rest, I'm gonna rest in the hope of eternal security, they're thinking, the, the, that every time that fear comes into them of, of hell, they just say, oh, no, no, it's okay for me to be far from God while I go after a, 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 a life of pleasure here on earth because I already made that critical decision of praying to receive Christ. I'm saved. And when I die, then I'm, if I'm told these words in the, a few verses down, in verse 23, verse 23, if I hear those words, I never knew you, depart from me, then I'll say, oh, but you have to let me into heaven because of eternal security. I did pray to receive you as my Savior. Look at the date. It's written right here in my Bible. This is all I need enough to get into heaven. For those who are thinking to themselves, you know, heaven is such a wonderful place up there that everyone is so happy that, okay, if I live for myself, I'll be happy sweeping those streets of gold. Yeah, I can enjoy a life of self-pleasure here on earth, slip into heaven, be happy then. His single word to them is seek, seek. Seek to get back the life of that obedient person in the first class of asking because you're in, you're in a greater danger than you know. And then for this last group of people, that group with the largest number of people in it, those who never knew the Savior, those who have never known this relief of, of having their burdens lifted at Calvary, and, 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 they, and, and they've never known the joy of having their sins forgiven, and, 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 and they've never felt that, that, that wonderful feeling of being cleansed on the inside, that last group of people, that third class, he has a single word, knock. Knock, come and knock at the door of heaven because they're gonna open it because it's gonna be open to you. Like the hymn says, only a step to Jesus, why not take it now? Come and thy sin confessing to him, thy savior bow. So here's the three simple words that the Lord has given to command every person either saved, backslidden, or lost, ask, seek, knock. Now, now the Lord is moving from his interaction of man to God to, to, to talk about the interaction between man to man. And he gives a simple statement here in verse 12 where he says, therefore, all things whatsoever you would, do, do, you would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them. This is the law and the prophets. So you, you look at this verse in verse 12, 
and you see that word therefore and you say, I don't get it. What is the link or the tie to what he's just said to what he's saying now? What's this link between doing to others what you want them to do to you and the ask, seek, and knock? And it's very clear that what it is, is it's a, the link is that if you're obedient to the Lord, if you're in this first class, being saved and so forth, then you will do this. This will be what, what will happen, that, that all things, whatever you want men to do to you, that, that you should do to them. Because this is the law and the prophets, this is the obedience that he's talking about as far as men is concerned. This is the law and the prophets. This is obeying God. Now, there's a simple test for compliance with the law and the prophets. And, and this simple test is just simply put yourself in the shoes of, of, the, of others. And, and when you're in the shoes of others, ask yourself the question, what would I want done to me? This is the opposite of doing wrong to others or who have done the same wrong to you. This is such a powerful tool here in verse 12 where he says, all, all things whatsoever you would, you would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them. This, this tool has the power to extinguish flames of resentment in us, flames of hatred, flames, flames of retaliation, flames of you can't get away with that, I'm gonna set the record straight. This tool is, 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 is to be used every time you and I become irritated and angry and infuriated with another person. This is the time to use verse 12 and to, and to stop and to say, okay, if I were him, what would I want done to me? That's just simply what the tool is in verse 12. And, and, the, and there, if I were him, what would I want done to me? And the answer is not, I'd want a two by four hit over my head. <laughs> All right, I want a punch in the nose. That's not the answer. But what the Lord is saying here is that all you gotta do is just put yourself in another person's shoe and ask him, what would I want done to me? And the Lord said that if you do that, you will be obeying all the law and the prophets. Wow, that's simple. I mean, he was accused of, of, of uh, destroying the law and the prophets. And he says, no, no, no. He says, let me explain what the law and the prophets really is. Man, and that's what we saw that in Matthew 5, 17. Matthew 5, 17, he says, think not that I come to destroy the law of the prophets. I'm not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth shall pass, one jot, one tittle shall no wise pass from the law. So here it is, here it is, very simply. He said in verse 12, this is the law and the prophets. So simple, just like that, yes. Is it just like that, simply if I were him? Uh, so all I gotta do is just put myself in the, the question, if I were him, what would I done, want done to me? Is that it? That's it. You know, if, if, I was, if I needed correction, for example, we see someone who needs correction. Okay, if I needed correction, how would I want to be corrected? What gentle way would I want for someone to approach me? So this is the concept of not doing what comes naturally to us. What comes naturally to us when someone irritates us or makes us mad, something like that, what ha what, the first thing we wanna do is push that person away from you. That's a natural response. It's called distancing yourself from that person. And then you can really get even with them when you distance yourself. You know, did you know that this was a problem during World War II? 
This was a problem during World War II when we went to war against the Germans because so many people in the U.S. are of German descent. You know, it, it, my wife's parents come from a place in Pennsylvania called uh, Dutch. What's it called? Pennsylvania Dutch. And everybody thought that was Holland people. That's not Holland people. That's Pennsylvania Deutsch. <laughs> Only they call it Pennsylvania Dutch because they're from Pennsylvania. Anyway, but this was a real problem because many people in the U.S. were of German descent and they felt the Germans were close to them and they couldn't, and, and, and the War Department said, this is a problem, we gotta get hatred of these people. We gotta, can't have them go out there and wanted to kill them if they say, oh, my brother, come, let's hug. No, 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 you gotta shoot them. So, so this wasn't working for the War Department. In, in the U.S. So, so there was an actual campaign to get people in the U.S. to see the Germans as no distant from you. So, they, so you would distance yourself from the Germans, then you'll be in a better place to fight with them. So there was a whole strategy of derogatory names of the Germans, like Krauts and Jerry's and whatever else. No offense, Jerry. <laughs> anyway, so what the Lord is saying here is don't do that with people. Don't see them as distanced from you and don't distance them from you, but bring that person close into you, so close that you can imagine yourself standing in that person's shoes and saying, if I were him, what would I want done to me? That's what verse 12 is all about. Now, keep in mind as we move here, because we're going with flow, we're going with context, and we already said how 12, verse 12 linked up with uh, the previous uh, parts about ask and seek and being obedient to the Lord. Keep in mind the flow of the context here as we move through, because now he's just spoken about putting yourself in another person's shoes and doing what you would want done to you if you were there, and now he's moving into the subject of heaven and hell in verse 13. Verse 13, he's saying, enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be that go in thereat. So when we look at this verse, verse 13, we see that the Lord now is talking about a gate, a narrow gate, and he's talking about another gate, a wide gate that leads to uh, destruction, eternal destruction, otherwise known as hell. So there are two gates here. There's a narrow gate that leads to life, otherwise known as heaven, and the Lord spoke of, is now speaking about entering into that gate. The Lord only spoke about entering into the narrow gate. The Lord did not speak about entering into the wide gate, that's because you don't have to do that. You're just born and you're already on it because we're, in a, we're born into a state of sin. We're already through that wide gate that leads to hell. But the narrow gate, the Lord talked about, he, he's speaking about entering this narrow gate as something that's not easy to do. It's not easy to do. So he uses words, other words, for example, in Luke 13, 24. Luke 13, 24, he uses a word of strive. Strive to enter in at the straight gate. Many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in and not, not be able. So in other words, he's saying, whatever it takes, strive. It's it, struggle. It's worth the struggle. Fight. It's worth the fight to get into that, 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 that gate. And so... This is, this, is, uh, uh, <clears throat> this is not a, the, the typical, you know, this is not the typical door-to-door. -door. You know, would you like to go to heaven? All you have to do is to pray this prayer. Ready? Here we go. One, two, three. Repeat after me. Congratulations, you're in. 
You know, it reminds me of a missionary one time in Belize. He was in Belize. And so he, he got an airplane. He set up his airplane with a loudspeaker, big loudspeaker, and he flew over that country telling the people that all you gotta do is pray this prayer. And then he asked them to raise their hand. From the, you know, he's in the airplane, he's looking down. Raise your hand if you prayed the prayer. And when he was finished, he, he got out and he told everybody, I got the whole country of Belize saved, right? <laughs> On their way to heaven. Well, somehow, raising your hand at a plane in the sky doesn't quite line up with the word strive. Strive in, in Luke 13, 34, strive to enter in. So the point that the Lord is making here is that there's a narrow gate and there's a point, there's a point in time when a person enters into that narrow gate. And this is the point in time that the Lord was talking about when he was talking to, to, to Nicodemus in, in, in John 3, in John 3, 3, and John 3, 5, when he said, John 3, 3, Jesus answered and said unto him, verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And then he, in, when he went on in verse five, he said, Jesus answered, verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter, you can't see it, you can't enter into the kingdom of God. We're talking about a gate that can be entered into. The gate is, of being born again is hard to enter into, but the gate is a gate that's open and it's open into a road, and the purpose of that gate is to get on the road. Get on the road because he's talking about there's no gate, then there's a road. Doing to, uh, what's that road? Verse 12, doing to others as you would want done to you. And this is where the context becomes so important between verses 12 and 13, especially if you use verse, verse 13 as seeing a person, as he starts off by explaining, who is on that wide road to destruction, to hell, with a narrow gate that's available to him. And you ask yourself the verse 12 question to tie it in with verse 13, and you say, if I was that person, if I was that person in verse 13, who is on the wide road leading to hell, and there's a narrow road, a narrow gate available to me, what would I want someone to do for me? That's the verse 12. What would I want? You know, I, I, Jim McDonald oftentimes prays when he, together. He prays, he says, Lord, thank you for that person who spoke to each one of us and, 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 and brought us to the Lord. That's the tie between verse 12 and 13. The Lord is asking us to look at a person who, that we know who's far from God, he's lost, he's on his way to hell, and bring that person so close to us that we ask ourselves the question, if I were him, if I was as lost as he is, what would I want others to do for me? What would I want others to say to me? So to bring me to that, that, that narrow gate to be saved. <clears throat> now the Lord has described this gate in a way, in, in verse 14, because he says the gate is straight, the narrow is the way that leads to life, and few there be that find it. He's got several descriptions here. I mean, first, it's a narrow gate. It leads to a narrow way it's a, uh, of life. It's eternal life. Now, if we, we've already considered the narrow gate. Now, let, let's consider the narrow way that, that, a, that, that, that a person enters into when he goes through that gate. What is that way like? That way is a way of faith. It's, it's a way of faith and serious 
godly living, the kind of serious godly living that's described in verse 12. And after a person enters in through that narrow gate, he finds a lot of new things. He finds a new life, he finds a new heart and spirit, he finds a new way to make decisions in life, he finds a new way to see life, and he finds new interests in life. Now, the most dramatic discovery that a person makes after he's entered into that narrow gate is a new life. It's a new life, and having cried out to the Lord Jesus as, as, as God the Son, and, and now he has God the Son in his life, and he has God the Son, he knows he has God the Son in his life, and he has new life, new life from 1 John 5, 12. 1 John 5, 12, he that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Very simple. Anyone who has passed through that narrow gate is aware, keenly aware, that he has the Lord Jesus Christ in his life. He has a new life. And <clears throat> he's surprised. He's just surprised to discover that he has nothing less than a new heart. Also, he has got a new heart, he's got a new spirit that comes from this relationship, this new relationship with God, where he feels that there's, there's something very different in my relationship with God. I, I, I feel now that God is really my father and, and, and I am a son. And this new heart and this new spirit is a gift from God, as it says in Jeremiah 24, 7. Jeremiah 24, 7. I will give them a heart to know me, that I am the Lord, and they shall be my people and I will be their God. And they shall return to me with their whole heart. Anyone who has passed through this narrow gate knows that something very significant has happened to him, he knows that he knows. He knows that he knows the Lord in a very new relationship, in a relationship where the Lord is his father and he's, one of, he's a child of God. And this is so real to this person that if a lost person says to him, look, all you got is religion. You got religion, you had an experience like any other person in any other religion, that's all. Now, he can hear the words of that lost person, and he can try to explain, but it all comes down to he knows that he knows. He knows that he knows that God is his father, and, and, and he has what others cannot see, and, 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 that's the, and, and they cannot hear, because what he's hearing is a silent voice of the Holy Spirit inside of him telling him, you really are a child of God as described in Romans 8.16. Romans 8.16, which says, the spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. That's a very distinct, silent voice that's telling him, you're a child of God. So as, as a lost person is trying to reason him out of being religious, the person has, 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 who has entered into this narrow gate, he's actually hearing two voices. He's hearing the, the first voice is audible, it's coming from the lost person trying to reason him out of religion. Hey, come on, give up this stuff. And the second voice he's hearing is silent, but the second voice is, is loud. It's a silent voice that's loud because it's, it's telling him there's no doubt, there's no doubt that you are right to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, that you are a child of God. He can't explain it. It's a silent voice of the Holy Spirit that's so loud in him that he knows that he knows that he's a child of God. It's just like in Paul's conversion. Paul's conversion experience on the road to Damascus, Paul described it 
in Acts 22.9, Acts 22.9, when he said, they that were with me indeed saw the light and were afraid, but they heard not the voice of him that spake to me. Actually, the Greek is saying they didn't understand the voice. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California. Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800 247 3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. 